Hey, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Great to see you all. Nice to have you in the house with us this morning. My name is Jeff Hughes, and I serve as the Connections Pastor here at Union Chapel. And simply put, my role is to help you better connect with God and the people in this room and who make up this great congregation. And so if we haven't met, I'd love to connect with you and help you take those next steps. I, I joined staff here at Union Chapel in 1999. I was a sophomore at Ball State University. I came here for a summer internship, and then I met a girl, and the rest is history. I fell in love with Union Chapel and this city, and of course, uh, who is now uh, my, my wife of 20 years, uh, Hannah, and I, there is something special at Union Chapel. And if you are relatively new or you've been here for 20 plus years, you know that, you realize that. Now, don't hear perfect, but hear special. And I just want to say uh, to the kickoff of this message that while Union Chapel has a very dynamic history of ministry in our city and in the country and really all over the world over the past 20 and 40 years, over these last several decades, I just want to say that I as Connections Pastor am more excited about our next 20-year season about our, our, our next 20-day season of what God is doing. And if I could be so bold to say what God may perhaps do in your heart this morning over the next 20 minutes. Will you be open to him? Will you open your heart to what God wants to say to you here in this time that we have this morning together? I hope that you will. I hope that your posture is one of an open heart and not a closed atmosphere. I hope you'll put aside everything from your week and listen to what the Lord has to say. You'll notice I didn't say what Pastor Jeff has to say, but what the Lord has to say, because he might preach a completely different message just for you into your heart right now. He's done it. Well, are you familiar with the reference DTR? DTR. DTR for a younger couple who is in a relationship together stands for define the relationship. It's the DTR. It's the talk. My wife and I had this talk multiple times during our early season of dating and it is a moment where you define the relationship. You sit down together and, and you describe, are we just friends? Are we friends who kind of like each other? Are we seriously dating? Or is this like a forever thing that's coming uh, our direction? How many of you know that if you want a serious relationship and you're party A in that meeting, you hope that party B will also want a serious relationship, right? What you don't want to have happen is they say, ah, you know what, I'd, I'd really just rather keep things casual. I'd rather just stay friends, right? Because in that moment, you are now stuck in what's called the friend zone. Now, the end zone, that's a good place to be. The friend zone, you don't really want to be there if you're looking for a serious relationship. Friends, you should consider this message today the DTR of Union Chapel. I want to do my best to define our relationship and encourage you to consider a few things here this morning. And I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to put it out there. Here it is. We like you. 
We like you a lot. In fact, we want to move our relationship with you to the next level. We want to, to, to take things up a notch, if you will. So whatever that means for you, if you would consider us casual acquaintances, we want to be a little more. If you would consider us friends or maybe going out or hanging out occasionally, we'd like to increase the commitment on both sides of the party. We like you. We want to take our relationship to the next level. I want to invite you to open your Bible to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, we're going to look in chapter 1. And so if you'll make your way there, chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 4 to 9 and 17 to 19. While you make your way there, let me say this. Here's what it means for us to take our relationship to the next level. It means this. It means intentionality. It means consistency, and it means reliability. This is what you will receive from us in the relationship, and we would ask you to consider how well you are giving the reciprocal in our DTR together. Will you stand? Here's Jeremiah chapter 1. We'll start with verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Verse 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out and he touched my mouth and he said, I have put my words in your mouth. Now skip down to verse 17. I want to look at 17 to 19. It says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Verse 18, today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land against the kings of Judah and its officials, its priests and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. You may be seated. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to look at some of the responses that Jeremiah made when he was called by God. I want to look at those. I want to look at the promise of God that we see in the text that we just read together. And then what I'd like to do is provide some pastoral direction for where we are today as a church. So here's Jeremiah's first response. His first response to the call of God is the task is too demanding. The task is too demanding. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the nations. We see that in verse 5. He was not a priest like his father or his grandfather. And a prophet, you should know, is a chosen one. A chosen one who was authorized and was a spokesman for God, who declared God's word to the people. You know, we often think of prophets as people who can tell the future or, or predict the future. But a prophet actually spoke messages to the present that had future ramifications that had uh, future goals. They, they were forth-tellers more than they were foretellers, if you will. They would expose people's sin 
and call them back to their covenant responsibilities and their covenant relationship with God. Being a prophet was more, it was more demanding than that of a priest. See, a priest's duties were, were predictable. Everything that they uh, would take care of was written down in the law, but the prophet never knew what their responsibilities would be next, when the Lord would call them to go, what he would call them to say, and what the result of those people who did not like that information might do to the prophet. So while the priest worked primarily to preserve the past, the prophet labored to change the present, if you will, so that the nation would have a future. Now, show of hands, how many of you guys wanna have a future? Yeah, I'd like to have a future, And so I think that that's important, but sometimes when you're told something that makes radical change necessary for your life, which is what the prophets often did, uh, your future was laid out before you, but it meant radical change. It meant something had to give. It meant more commitment. It meant less sin. It meant something radical had to change. While priests dealt with the externals, the the rituals, the the offerings, the the services, the prophet tried to reach and change the hearts. The prophet would reach right into the heart, the soul, and help motivate the hearers to understand. While priests belonged to a special tribe, they had authority. When they would stand up, everyone would listen. Listen. A prophet could come from any tribe, but they had to prove their call and they had to prove their their, uh, divine responsibility. So you can almost see why Jeremiah would say the task is too demanding because Jeremiah was called to change the future of a nation. Now, Jesus spoke to the hearts of people. Jesus was a prophet as well. He traveled from place to place. He challenged people for a reality that was not yet seen. And and many did not accept his message of, of, uh, of repentance as well, did they? Have you ever felt like God was calling you to do something that was too demanding? Have you ever experienced that? You think, oh, no, think about that. The place, the people, the purpose, too demanding. Too much. Here's the promise of God to you and to all of us, be included, who have felt that way. Here it is. While God may assign you a demanding task, his call and his presence give you the ability to keep going day after day in that call. And if you're not living in his presence and his power, to live out the task that he has given you, it will feel everything demanding on your shoulders if you're living in it in your own strength. But we have the promise of God's purpose. Remember what the Lord said to Jeremiah in verses four and five. We'll put this up on the screen. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as prophet to the nations. Now the verb know, I knew you, has much more meaning than simply being aware. It's much deeper than that, friends. It carries this idea of of recognition, of, of worth, of purpose for the one who is known. God knew Jeremiah. God chose Jeremiah. God called Jeremiah. And he appointed Jeremiah as prophet 
to the nations. He was known by name. He was handpicked. He was commissioned to serve. The promise of God's purpose allows us to let go of our own plans and to receive God's plans for our life and God's appointment that is specific to each and every one of us. So what are you doing with that call? What are you doing with that appointment? Does it feel too demanding? Does it feel too overwhelming? You see, like Jeremiah and Jesus, you too need to accept and understand the call of God on your life. We all have one. It's not just people who stand on a stage at Union Chapel that are called. It's not just people who sit in the first service who are called or the second service or the third service. It's all of us called. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are God's. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a responsibility. He has given you authority. He has given you power. He has given you a calling. Find it. Seek it out. Let us help you do that if you're not sure of what that calling is on your life. Here's the second response that Jeremiah made to the call on his life. He said, my talent is inadequate. My talent is inadequate. When Jeremiah looked at the work before him, the the wickedness around him, and the weakness within him, he felt like his talent was inadequate. He was certain he was not the man for the job. Jeremiah was was inadequate, and he felt very inadequate as a public speaker. Get in line, buddy. Moses, we see in Exodus 4.10, shared that same vein with Jeremiah. Now, how did God use him? Pretty spectacular ways, huh? So often this, this feeling of inadequate talent is something that is normal, in places where God uses that person in profound ways. So welcome to the party if you feel inadequate, if you feel unable, uncertain, not sure, not gifted, talents don't measure up. Come on. Remember what Jeremiah said in verse 6. He said, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. I'm too young. God has a way to overcome your weakness and your uh, insufficiencies. And let me just let you in on a little secret that I've learned over the years. Here it is. I've learned over the years and continue to learn this, that, that the person who is most aware of his or her inadequacies is usually the person who is most dependent upon God's all sufficiency. Because what happens is when we can look at ourselves and we can say, oh, look at me, I have this talent, I have this ability, and I can do it with ease, we get prideful. And so the person most aware of their own inadequacy is the man or the woman who is usually the most dependent upon God and God's ability and God's sustainability to meet them and his all-sufficiency with his presence to guide and direct. Shake your head if you know that that's true. Yeah, come on, you do. Have you ever felt like your talent was inadequate for what God was calling you to do? I have. Maybe the thoughts have crossed your mind. I don't have what it takes. I'm not trained in a way to do that. I'm afraid. I'm scared. I'm worried. I won't measure up. I'm inadequate. And you, like Jeremiah did, look at the work before you. You look at everything around you and you think, I can't do it. 
you wonder if God has confused you with somebody else. He hasn't. He knows you. In the same way that he knows Jeremiah, God knows you. He knows you and he knows the things he's put on your heart. And he's asking for faithfulness. He's asking for your obedience. You have the promise of God's provision. Listen to Jeremiah 1, 9 again. Then the Lord reached his hand out. He touched my mouth. And he told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. Now, isn't that good? Now, this touch was critical. Some would say, and, and rightly so with this, that this was a purifying touch. Okay, that this was a, a, a purifying touch in this moment. But I believe when I read this, that this was an inspiring and empowering touch, just as much as it was a purifying touch. I believe that this was God's way of saying, I'm with you. It was a touch. It was a call. It was a seal. It was a hand on the back from a loved one when you know you're going through a challenge. And just the mere hand on that back is the presence of that person's supportiveness, right? Now you've got this from God, right? So it's not just a loved one kind of comforting you, putting on the back saying, you can do it, but it's God taking his words, placing them on your mouth, placing them on your heart, placing his things that he cares about on your hands and your feet so you will walk those out and live those out in service to people in our world. Even Jesus experienced this touch in a visible and profound way. Following his baptism, immediately he comes out of the water. And, and what happens? Do you remember this? The, the heavens, the heavens open and the spirit of God descended upon him. The Bible says like a dove. And that was God's touch to him in the same way that God wants to meet us. God said in Matthew three seventeen about Jesus, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now hear this. God does not use and does not bless the, the silver-tongued orator, but the one whose tongue has been touched by the hand of God. God uses not the most gifted or talented person to make a difference in the world, but the one whose life has been touched by the hand of God. Never underestimate the power of a touch from God, ever, never. As powerful as you can imagine it, falls short for what it is. God wants to meet us. And always let your inadequacy, the areas where you feel unable to measure up, you feel inadequate, always let those make you dependent upon God's all-sufficient power, grace, love, and mercy. You won't go wrong, friends. You won't go wrong. Well, here's the third response that Jeremiah had to the call of God on his life. He said, it's not a good time. It's not a good time. Jeremiah said to God in verse six, I'm only a youth, I'm too young. You know, maybe like I could get a little older before you call me to go change the nations. I'm only a youth. See, I think his reply was not so much revealing of, of his age as it was his immaturity in that moment. Here's the reality, friends. Jeremiah in this text, much like you and I, was going through a moment. He was having a moment. And here, here are three words that describe his moment. Inferior, inexperienced, and intimidated. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but friends, 
you've been there. We've all been there. Inferior, inexperienced, and intimidated by the size of the task to which God was calling and summoning him to go and to do. God was calling him to do something of great significance, I may add, to change a nation. And Jeremiah is reaching for every reason, I'll call it excuse, to obey in that moment. I'm too young. I can't go. It's not a good time. God's call may come at inopportune times in our life. Maybe while you hear Jeremiah, you say, oh, well, you know, my reason would be on the other end. I'm too old. I've got a busted knee. I get headaches every now and then. Whatever it may be, it's still an excuse. God's call may come at inopportune times in our life, but we have to listen. We've got to obey. And we've got to remember that God never sends his servants into the situation he's called them to alone without his presence. Because with his call comes a promise. God gave young Jeremiah these instructions. He he gave them this. He said, go where I send you. He said, speak what I command. And third, don't be afraid of the people. And with these three commands, there came a promise. Now get this, there were commands before a promise. What we love to do in Christian culture today is only read the promise and skip over the three commands. Come on, you do that. We all do. We read the Bible and we go, oh, look at that. That's the promise. Uh, Sorry, read the text around that. You'll see that there were some commands that yielded to the, the promise. One of my favorite to quote with my kids is honor your father and mother that it may go well with your life. You want it to go well with your life? You respect mom and dad. So even right there, you can read that. Oh, it's gonna go well with my life. It's gonna be just perfect. Not if you disobey mama, it won't. We see in Jeremiah 1, 7 and 8, do not be afraid for I will be with you. I will deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will be with you. Now, it, it's comforting if a friend says that, right? It's comforting. Hey, I'll be with you. I'm there. You can count on me. Well, that's great. This is God saying this. Can you feel that? Don't treat this as if it's your best friend from sixth grade. Because while that's great and all good, this is God saying, I will be with you. I will walk with you. I will help you. I will give you what you need for what I'm calling you to do. My purpose in your life, my promise on your life, the provision of my life, it is significant. And I will give you my presence. Someone once said that when God calls us to a task, he doesn't give us a roadmap to follow and then leave us to our own resources. I'm so glad about that because the very best GPS will fall and fail in leading you towards God's presence and his purpose for your life. But his presence gives us strength to face our fears. And by the way, Jesus felt this same presence and he could go on because God walked with him. Some of you are hearing this right now. You know that God is calling you to do something but you are overcome with fear right now. 
because that thing, those people, that place, that situation that you know God is calling you to do, the fear is standing between you and that. And that fear is overcome by by faith, by, by trust, by stepping into that purpose, that calling and that plan that God has for your life. You don't have to know step 25, take step one. Take step one. Replace your fear with faith. When you feel inferior, inexperienced, intimidated by the size of the task, replace your fear with faith. And if God calls you to it, we know this, he'll see you through it. You can trust that. God's presence will be your guide. Well, let's go to the fourth response. Here's the fourth response. Surely someone else will go. Surely someone else will go. It's one of my favorites, right? Yeah, but God's called you. Maybe somebody would go, but that's irrelevant. God's called you. Jeremiah has been called. He knows what he's supposed to do, and he resists it. I mean, it's one excuse after another as we just read them, and now he's saying, surely somebody else could do this. Instead, we get excuse after excuse after reason after reason Stalling tactics? So when I read verse uh, 17, Jeremiah 1, 17, let's go ahead and put that up on the screen. I want you to look at this and I want you to hear it, how my mind hears this as a parent of two little ones. Uh, here it is. God said, now. <laughs> yeah, can you feel it? Get up. Get out of the bed Put your pajamas on, off, get dressed, brush your teeth, go to school. I mean, can you feel that? Now. Get ready. Only he doesn't say get dressed, brush your teeth, go to school. He says now. Get up. Stand up. And go. And do and say everything I command you. You can almost feel Jeremiah's resistance again. And again, the text doesn't say this, but we all read the text through our lens of life. And I almost can hear and feel and imagine Jeremiah's response back to this because he's going to push back one more time in my mind because that's what we do. Oh, dad, five more minutes. And in Jeremiah's day, the people had to tie their loose robes with a belt in order to run to work. And Jeremiah was in for a struggle, had a serious fight on his hands. Some translations use the phrase, uh, dress yourself for work or or, uh, gird up your loins. And this is meant to get ready for action. In church, I believe God is calling us to get ready for action. Now, here's the promise of God for us. Here it is. The promise of God for us in this is that God expects obedience immediately. You've probably heard me say this before. It is one of those phrases that has just stuck in my life, and so it often comes out. Years ago, my father, who was a juvenile probation officer, which was wonderful growing up in that home, it really was, It really was wonderful. Said this phrase, delayed obedience is disobedience. Now let that soak for a minute because what do we do? 
We get there in a minute. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And when we do that in our relationships with one another or we do that with God, we are living out disobedience to the call of God in our life. I'll get there when I get there is not the response that God wants from you in this moment. But we shouldn't fear because we have the promise of God's power. Remember verse 17, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Immediate obedience is the only response when God calls. And whatever you think of Jesus, whatever you think of Jesus Christ, listen to me here, listen close. Whatever you think of Jesus, remember this, his heart was willing and his actions were obedient even to giving his life on a cross to death for you and for me. So whatever you think of Jesus, his actions to his father were obedient even to laying down his life on a cross when he was called. Talk about inconvenient. Talk about surely someone else could go, right? Giving your life on a cross for the salvation of humanity. You're given a promise that God will fulfill his purpose. And to be honest, the excuses that Jeremiah gave are often the excuses that I give. They're often the excuses that you give if we were honest with ourselves. And friends, we can either make excuses or we can either make a difference, but we cannot do both. And God is calling us as a church to make a difference. He's calling us into the future to continue to reach the nations, to reach people across Muncie, to reach people across the state of Indiana, across the United States and across the oceans, across the world. God is calling us. He's calling us. Now, I promised at the beginning of this message that I was going to do three things this morning. And the first was to look at some responses of Jeremiah. The second was to look at the, the call and the understand the promises that God gives us from Jeremiah. And the third is to give you a pastoral direction and response for where we are as a church, which I want to do now. Maybe you're newer to Union Chapel. Maybe you're relatively new uh, just a, a few times. Maybe you've been here for a month or two. One of the things you may not know, but I know as Connections Pastor, every Sunday, God gives us brand new people who have never been here, and it is amazing. I absolutely love it. So if you're new or relatively new, welcome. Dive in. Jump in. We want to help you. But I'm not saying this like, oh, maybe God will bring one person. I mean, every week. We have 15, 25 people who've never been to our church. It's a blessing. So maybe you're one of those people and you say you love this worship gathering. The large group experience is just great. The atmosphere, the music, the preaching, everything about this just feels right to you. Let me predict your future. If your only connection to Union Chapel is this right here, is the large group gathering and you never make a meaningful relationship in a small group or a volunteer team, you will not stick and stay long-term at Union Chapel. I promise you. You might say, oh, we love it. We love the worship service. We love the large group gathering, but it's all we really care to be a part of, or it's all our schedule will permit. I have two decades of personal church data and experience, and others on our team have 40 years. If you don't plug in outside of sitting in these rows, 
in a meaningful connection, in a serving team and in a small group where you can share life, you will not stick and stay. In fact, the odds of you being here a year from now in our church, pretty low. Because we're about more than just gathering, facing this direction. We're about doing things together and sharing our lives. And we're about supporting one another in circles where we can talk and we can share in community with one another. My role as Connections Pastor here at Union Chapel was created to help people not only understand this reality, but also to make personal change to correct it. Now, you might not like that. You might not like what you're hearing me say right now, but that's why I have a full-time job. My full-time job is what it is because this is a problem. Because we realize that you won't grow and live up to what God has for you if you just come on Sundays once a month, sit here and face the screen and the stage and listen occasionally. And so I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to throw that out there. We're calling our relationship to take it up a notch. We want to be serious. We want to move from friends, from casual acquaintances, from dating every now and then to a serious relationship. And so that's my invitation to you. That's our team's invitation to you. Union Chapel is a bigger church. That's no surprise. We're a large church. Three services, over 1,000 people will be on this campus today of all ages. Lots of programs, lots of ministries. It's a big space, lots of buildings, lots of doors. It's a big space. And while this comes with many, many benefits, excellent programs for all ages, and lots of opportunity for you to grow and connect while being a bigger church comes with a lot, a lot of positives. It does come with a couple things that are challenging. One, it's easy for you to hide in the crowd if you want to. It's easy for you to hide right there in the crowd if you want to. But hear me closely, only if you choose to. So if you have gone unnoticed, unconnected, hiding in the crowd... May I submit that all we are doing is waiting on you to take the first step towards us? All we are waiting on you to do is to identify yourself and say, you know, I'd like to get to know some people. I'd like to plug in with a group of this age. You know, uh, earlier in my life, I worked with this age group and now I'm retired. Is there anything in the church with that age group where I could lend some experience? What is your story? We want to get to know it because every one of us has a story and we are incomplete without connecting fully with you. Let me take the last two minutes of this message and share what I call the secret sauce of connecting at Union Chapel. And next Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Discover Gathering over in the chapel, 10 a.m., I'm going to go in deeper detail into the secret sauce of connecting at Union Chapel. That's what that's all about. So if this kind of piques your interest and you want to learn more or you know somebody who should, discover 10 o'clock, chapel, next Sunday. At Union Chapel, we have three things. It's called the UC3. Know, grow, and go. Now, you've probably heard about that. You probably could even say that. It's our mission. It's why we exist. It's why we're here. 
But we want you to know God by regular attendance in our weekend services. We want you to grow with God and others by by joining or starting a small group. And we want you to go by using your gifts and talents to serve both inside and outside the church. Know, grow, go. And perhaps you're missing a step. Steps are important, aren't they? We're all about next steps. Maybe you've taken one of those. Maybe not. Maybe two. Maybe not. Today, we can help you take any of those steps. In just a moment, as we move to the closing song, if knowing Jesus is the step you need to take, meet me right over here during the song. We'll talk. If growing in your relationship by opening your life in a small group or starting one or joining one is the step you need to take, when we dismiss and you go out these doors at the Welcome Center, there's a place for your name, phone number, and email. And you, indif- you can indicate join a group or start a group. We'll be in touch. And as we get going in the next few weeks with the story, we'll plug you into a place where you can share life. Now, you may have seen on your way in that today's our serving expo. So all of our ministries have set up tables and booths out there. And I hope you'll check them out because this doesn't get any more practical than if today's your step to go to to put your gifts and talents into service. You can walk through those and check out all the places in the church where you can serve and, and you can get plugged in. Now, let me just close with this. The four reasons that Jeremiah gave to resist the call on his life are often the same ones that we do as well, church. And if I could do anything for you, it's to to identify if you are living in or saying any of these four excuses, it's time to quit. The task is too demanding. My talent is inadequate. It's not a good time or someone else will go. We've got to erase those excuses from our life and fully live out the call of God upon our church. We love you guys. Will you stand up for a word of prayer?